everybody. Welcome back to Environmental. Um, and we're Dandelion Branding. I'm Av. And I'm Courtney. Yes, we're joined today with Marissa Segundo. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So happy to have you. Yeah, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about the recycling industry. And so we're going to follow your lead, Marissa. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So um, I have been in the recycling world in the areas of education for the past, I think like 15 years now, 10 years, 10 years in recycling specifically, and then um, in the professional world for about 15 years. And currently I'm with a company called Resource Recycling Systems. We are, or RRS, you see our little fun logo there. Um, we are a recycling and sustainability consultancy out of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we've been in hey. business so long that our website is recycle.com. And we're B2B, you know, so it's business to business. Um, so we have this fantastic uh, we have this fantastic uh, URL and um, and it's great for businesses that want to learn about recycling and sustainability and extended producer responsibility and um, and do solid waste audits and all sorts of amazing things. But our company has been around for thir almost 35 years and we are a mission driven consultancy. So I, I just, I love I work remotely and I love my coworkers and everyone is just filled with passion and is excited about what they do, whether they're on the engineering side or if they're on the uh, solid waste planning side or corporate sustainability. So there's all these different really amazing, smart people that work to solve and, um, and better our, our waste recovery system. Wow, 35 years. Okay. Yeah. Not me. The shout out, yeah. shout out to <laughs> Michigan. Yeah. And so, I'm from Michigan. Oh, okay. So, so you originally have to put your hand up and tell me where you're from. Or is that the I'm wrong from, Um, I don't know which way you can see it. Which way is Michigan? Which hand is <laughs> Michigan for you? Yeah. This one? Yeah. So I'm I'm from here. I'm from Flint. Right. Oh, okay. Flint. Yeah, this area. Very nice. For those of you that don't know, Ann Arbor is down here, I think. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's about right. That's about right. Um, it's way down there. Universal Michigan. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So currently I, I live in Florida. And so how I parallel this is here's Florida. So here's here's where I oh, live yeah. in Florida. Here's, here's the panhandle. I think it's backwards the yeah. way you're seeing it, but yeah. I live right here in uh, in St. Petersburg in Central West Florida. So, <laughs> oh, I have family. In, I have family down there. That's really close to you, actually. Aubrey, we're so connected in so many what? ways. We're, we're like yeah. five minutes ago. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was meant vibes. to be. Vibes. Yeah. I'm like, do you know Jessica? Then yeah. Like, not I do is. know Jessica. <laughs> we're best friends. <laughs> cool but it our company started the first curbside recycling program in the country and it was in wow. Ann Arbor really so pretty, that's so cool pretty exciting you know helping to to because there's so much to do with recycling you know it's more than mm -hmm. just 
you know, rah, rah, recycling, let's make sure everybody does it. The, the back end of recycling is, is very complex. And, um, mm -hmm. and the industry in general is, is a, a growing and, and strengthening industry. Um, and it employs people, you know, uh, a lot of jobs come from the recycling industry, whether it's on the hauling side, whether it's engineers, whether it's equipment manufacturing, it's 173, right. approximately $173 billion industry in the U.S. Wow. wow. I mean, that's, the, and that's something that's really easy to forget, right? It's like you, you that it's a, it's a massive industry and there's so many systems that you mm -hmm. have to put into place. I think about like, we build one lead generation for a client and it's like uh, several pages and all these, and it's like a whole structure and trying to like, think about what it would take to build a recycling system is, mm -hmm. is so deep. That's so intense. So I kind of would like to hear a little bit about that, actually, like what it's, what, like how the system works, what mm -hmm. it takes to build that, I guess. Right. Well, I think that the recycling system of the future is a lot more, is going to rely a lot more on technology than the recycling system of the past. I mean, I'm sure everyone has met someone who says, I used to collect bottles in my neighborhood and take them to the local market. I used to have a <laughs> newspaper drive and take that to the dumpster at my church. So there's, and then, and having it all completely separated. Uh, if for over the past couple of decades, recycling has increased in its, you know, if you look at recycling as a couple of different aspects, you first have to find someone, well, first you have to have somewhere to process it. So you mm -hmm. have to separate, eventually you're going to still need to have all of these items separated. So if you're thinking about recycling back in the day, you may have even had a truck that came by curbside and there was a guy or a woman on the truck that was putting bottles in one area and newspaper in another. And maybe they weren't even collecting mixed paper. That was uh, a brand new thing. And maybe they're collecting cardboard or not. And there was all these variables. They all had to be separated. So we had to collect them, then they bring that to a, 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 an area to bail all that recycling together, to put it all together, still separated. And then subsequently that may need further sorting or that may go to another uh, um, you know, sorting facility or sold, if it's already separated, sold directly to the end markets. These mm. end markets are huge because if you don't have somewhere to purchase the recyclables, you don't have, you're not really recycling that has nowhere to go. And so um, that is an important piece of recycling. And when we talk about a recycling and growing a recycling economy, this kind of goes under the idea, maybe you heard this when you were a kid about closing the loop. How you close mm -hmm. the loop in recycling is not just at the point of deposit, you put your bottle in your recycling bin, now I'm done. You have to purchase things that are made of recycled content. Now mm -hmm. you're closing the loop. Now you're creating demand. Now you're creating industry. So yep. I'll go back to some of these pieces. So that collection piece, we'll go back to the 1990s version of we've got a guy on it or a girl on a truck and they're separating all these things out. So Courtney being from California, the, you probably were, this was more integrated in your system than maybe um, in the East Coast. 
but it started on the West Coast, single stream recycling. And in some places it's called mixed recycling. So okay. you put all of your recyclables into one container and mm -hmm. maybe the truck picks it up with an automated arm. This is my automated arm and dumps it into the <laughs> truck all together. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Very yeah. visual. And, and you don't have to separate it out. And when I, as a young recycling coordinator, because I used to work in the uh, public sector, when I found out about single stream recycling, I was, my mind was blown. I was like, this is amazing. I don't have to tell people to drag their heavy bin to the curb and make mm -hmm. sure all their stuff is in a little bag and separated and fantastic. I have a cart they can roll to the curb so easily. There's a lid so the rain doesn't get in there and mm -hmm. ruin all the paper and bugs don't get in there in the meantime when they're storing it. So I thought this is amazing. So then it goes into a truck that is possibly the same type of truck that picks up your, your garbage, not the same truck, but the same type of truck, obviously separate mm -hmm. from garbage collection. And it goes to a material recovery facility. This in a modern day recycling, this piece is the most important piece um, of getting clean recyclables to that those end markets. So it, the and this is also the key. So the when um, when people ask why can't I recycle the same things in this place versus this place, that material recovery facility is really the reason why, because right. some some of these have varying levels of technology, and it, mm -hmm. the technology is really growing. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to it. And, um, and it used to be also even some of these material recovery facilities were all manual, just individuals were set, you know, with gloves and protective. We've been talking about PPE for much longer than, than COVID in the recycling world, because we mm -hmm. you know, workers need to be protected, but um, separating all these items out and then um, subsequently putting them in bales and then shipping them to the end markets. And um, this was made possible because single stream recycling was made possible because of, you know, I mentioned that it was starting in California, a lot of these um, end markets, some of these end markets specifically for paper were overseas and they were hungry for these recyclables and there were you know, the Amazon effect or the, uh, the global um, economy that we have, you had those huge, everybody's seen those um, container trucks that, mm -hmm. that are boated over from, from the Pacific. You know, they were, they were coming here, dropping off items, and then they were leaving empty. And anyone who knows anything about right. logistics, an empty truck is just like throwing money in the toilet. Throwing money away, mm -hmm. yep. So the same thing with, and, and that's how this reliance of recycling on, on uh, the uh, external markets or outside of the U.S. markets happen. Now in the East, okay. really wasn't such a reliance on China. There was some reliance, but it wasn't everything. But the Pacific, um, there was, that, that's, they're right there. It was almost their closest market. But it is important to have end markets in recycling. And, and so um, I don't know if, 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 if you guys want to jump in on, on what you've heard about, <laughs> about the China piece or just, I feel like I've talked 
for a long time. And <laughs> I don't know if you want to like, I, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, I don't know how to frame it. It's about a single stream mm -hmm. versus like breaking it out mm -hmm. versus like um, in some way. And sometimes I think there are some places that have tried it. I don't know if they're doing it anymore mm -hmm. where um, people would just not separate anything, including trash. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What so you're talking I'm about is a, um, is a, I'm trying to think of, so it's, it, it would go to a, um, what we would call, a, it's not a politically correct way to say it, it's a dirty MRF. So uh, a material yeah. recovery facility is also called a MRF. Um, mm -hmm. That would be, um, and there are places that have done that. Um, it's not the preferred way because when you're mixing recyclables with trash, you're not getting the highest quality recyclables. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about that in terms of like separating versus single stream, mm -hmm. uh, because, and, and like we separate paper, paper is separate and then also, but plastic and cans are together. Okay. So um that's just the system here but like mm -hmm. and then there's also a single stream and so I'm kind of wondering in terms of like contamination like what works best like what have you seen the system that actually works the best yeah okay that's great so single stream has its benefits if we go back to kind of those pieces of recycling it has its benefits really on the collection side because remember our poor person who was like sorting all the recyclables and dodging traffic while they were trying to do their job and maybe there's two people on it. So we've saved their back. We've saved their potential workman's, uh, workman's comp in injuries that can happen by being outside the truck with that, that claw, that automated uh, mm -hmm. vehicle. So it, it's really helpful on the collection side. It's made it more complicated in the processing side. And then because remember how excited I was about the single stream can and, and the whole concept when I was rolling that out of my city, the thing I was excited about is that it paralleled recycling to garbage in the way that it brought it to the forefront to say, you're just as important as garbage. Mm -hmm. So there's, <laughs> right? <laughs> garbage is... <laughs> That's the name of this episode. <laughs> Just as important as garbage. But you don't want to treat your recycling like garbage. Mm -hmm. it's just the fact that on the ease of disposal, single stream gave you that opportunity. How many times mm -hmm. have you met people that are like, oh, recycling is just not worth all that effort. So yeah. we took the burden with single stream off the individual and we put it on that material recovery facility. And so the material recovery facilities are like, hey, I, I thought you guys were going to do this right. In the meantime, you had some places that were like, just put everything in the cart. Don't rinse it. Don't do anything. Just put it all in the cart and we'll sort it out. And, and that was an error to, in my opinion, of, you know, throughout the country that happened and, and other places too that have single stream to not go hard with education from the very beginning. And that's something that I help our clients with all the time that are either converting their system from a dual stream system, which we'll talk in a second, to a single stream system, or maybe they have a new material recovery facility and they're trying to um, add more items 
acceptable items because they have mm -hmm. greater capacity to process this or they have greater end markets um, that mm -hmm. are hungry for these items and so um i forgot where i was going with that but <laughs> the uh the idea for um for single stream is that you know it makes it easy on one end harder on other end so i mentioned dual stream dual stream is where you would have and and I don't even like using these terms to John or Jane Q public because they don't think of trash and streams like the people in the industry <laughs> do. Um, but essentially, if you think of a single stream as you don't have to sort and then a dual stream, you either have um, a collection where your paper is collected on one week or one day. So that's mixed paper, anything mm -hmm. you can rip it, you can recycle it, cardboard, anything like that. And then on the other side is containers. So that's plastic bottles, glass bottles, um, aluminum cans, steel cans, all of that. Reason why dual stream is fantastic in that sense is that you, for people who aren't as vigilant as, uh, as we should be in emptying the food and uh, beverage, beverage containers, um, mm -hmm. that gets on the paper, creates mm -hmm. issues in the, um, in the end market process when you're pulping that down. It also really, more than anything, it's not really as much the end markets is that when it's at that material recovery facility, um, it create, it brings rodents and other types of vectors. Like who wants to work in this environment? Not many people. <laughs> and, um, but especially if, if we don't do our jobs as um, residents in um, making sure that the recyclables that are there are A, on your accepted list, meaning you're, you're, you're connecting with your city, county, or hauler to find out what exactly you can recycle and mm -hmm. in what format it should be. Generally, I can say it should be free of food and beverages and that you should only put the items that are listed or the category of items that are listed. I'm sure you've heard of the concept of wish cycling. Have you heard of this? Yes. I haven't. Wish cycling, Courtney, is where somebody says, I have this thing um, that it is, I don't know, it's, it's my sunglasses. So it's made of play. You can't see them because of my background, but it's made of plastic. So I'm going to put it in there or I have a, a toy or I have um, a, the public enemy. Number one are plastic, plastic mm. bags and plastic film. Well, those are confusing because they have a recycle sign on them and people get confused and they say, oh, I should put it in there. Well, what happens? when you wish cycle or put things that um, you hope are recyclable in your bin, um, it creates, it's basically a long route to the trash can because if they can't combine it with those bales of other recyclables, then it doesn't have a home. And you just, you just spent a whole lot of money wishing that that is recyclable. So pay mm -hmm. close attention. I can't emphasize this enough. Recycling is local. All of those, the technology that that I was referring to, it, it varies depending on where you're at. And, mm -hmm. and it, I can't just say universally, all of, there are some understood universal kind of core recyclable items, but some places can recycle more and some places can't. And that usually comes down to processing and end markets. Mm -hmm. Okay. That has Do you, 
Well, go ahead, Courtney. So, yeah, that has that's definitely been what has been on the forefront of our minds because both of us kind of recently have moved and we've um, we were living in the Bay Area in California before where like mm -hmm. it has some phenomenal systems in place and it's also in well in San Francisco in particular it's pretty clear what can be accepted and what can't be um, but as you move further and further away from kind of those those um, metropolitan areas it gets a little bit less clear mm -hmm. um, what can be accepted and and we were actually just on our last episode talking about like you know, why is it so difficult to find a list of what can be accepted? Mm -hmm. Or why isn't this like on a poster on the dumpster, you know? Right. And, um, yeah, we have a challenge right now is that people for people to like figure out what you can recycle in your neighborhood and just like post it somewhere really okay. public. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and, and, you know, honestly, there is that's a big part of what I do on a daily basis is I do communications for our clients, not for the company in general, to try to, to make their recycling communications um, relatable, translatable. That's why I was just saying, I don't like to say single stream. Some, you know, some communities, that's what they, they call it. Others call it mixed recycling. Others have a fun slogan. But, you know, I can't expect for everyone to understand recycling the same way I do. And so it's, we do a lot, I do a lot of research to find out what messages are most impactful for residents within a community. And that's going to change. That's going to change if you're in the Bay Area, if you're in the Netherlands, if you're in St. Petersburg, Florida, you know, people understand different, recycling different, differently based on their perception. I mean, that really goes mm -hmm. with any kind of communications is that you, there are certain things that you value about communications and recycling is behavior change. This isn't, we're asking people to take right. extra steps, even if it's just right. as easy as make sure it's empty and put it in your cart. They are mm -hmm. make, making a voluntary choice. Whereas the trash, there's nobody who's going to be like, you know what? I'm not going to pay my trash bill. I don't need to, I don't need to throw things away anymore. I'm just right. going to let it, you know, they'll figure it out. I'll just have trash all over my house. That would be an unthinkable thing to not have your, your garbage taken mm -hmm. care of. So I, I'm excited and ex inspired for recycling because I think that now most of us that are on this call, you grew up with learning about recycling in schools. You've seen the transformation of recycling. And despite recent stories about recycling is being broken or it's going away, it's not going away. It's ingrained in our society. We understand that it's, it is our responsibility as people who create waste to have a solution for that waste. And recycling is one solution. There's also composting. There's also, um, you know, gasification and all different uh, technologies that are that are really at a, a stage where they're going to, you know, I think we're going to be talking about a different recycling system 10, 10 years from now that may be, you know, completely automated and, um, you know, using a, a lot of different technology. But at the same time, if we don't have individuals making a commitment to reduce the amount of waste that they have to take care of responsibly the waste that they do create 
and then subsequently to influence others to do the same thing because it's not it's not just one person it's not just your hippie friend that really believes about recycling and that's that's how we're going to do it we need everyone to take part of it and also to support it in your local community to tell your decision makers your policy makers that recycling is important to you mm -hmm. i've seen this throughout the us and communities that have tried have gotten rid of recycling or tried to get rid of their curbside program and there's an uproar because people are used to recycling they know that it's important they know that they don't want to see all of their four pounds of trash that the average person creates per day to end up in a landfill with no other purpose right right, right. um i thought of a question oh before the call you mentioned, and you just mentioned it again, that reminded me of people feeling like anti or like getting some like bad, bad press, um, recycling, getting some bad press. And, and I'm really curious about like, about that, where it comes from, why you think recycling is happening and maybe a little, even a little bit about recycling during Corona time and, and what you saw this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So I think that, you know, with the the ban that China had on recyclables, it left some in the industry scrambling for end markets. And, um, and, and sometimes I feel like you have to break something a, a little for it to grow. And what has happened is that um, there have been some some domestic end markets, specifically in, in the paper industry, that have grown and that are excited to take recyclables. So it was kind of, I don't want to say a happy accident, but it was something that, that had people um, who didn't realize that some of the recycling was going overseas to those end markets. And then subsequently that paper was coming back here and being bought in the US. Um, so it was, it was circular in that way. Um, but there was also more things happening um, where people were um, distrusting of when anything goes overseas. Now, obviously, you're just throwing it in the, I think there was a connection with it being like with the uh, plastic, mm -hmm. uh, the ocean plastics and recycling, which the two are completely separate. You know, it wasn't that people were taking recyclables and just throwing them in the ocean because that wouldn't make any sense at all. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, that that's a different infrastructure system that's happening for ocean plastics, which is a whole another conversation uh, about solid waste um, that recycling could help. You know, honestly, if if you are recycling your plastic, if it makes it to the recycling bin, then it's not in the ocean and you're doing something positive to help ocean plastics, not to hurt ocean plastics. So I think that um, I think there was some confusion there and there really wasn't a huge recycling advocate voice out there that I was seeking in this in this time because we were trying to figure out like, all right, how do we make sure that this this the system still has those end markets and these recyclables do have a home. Um, and so I think some of that lost confidence and then mainly just it kind of goes back to some foundational educational pieces. I'm a big proponent of saying, let's show people how recycling works and let's show the this stuff being separated and individuals sorting this stuff so you can see the job creation 
and the engineers that design all these amazing machines. And then these end markets that are like, please, 100% recycled paper mills that are all over the place in, not all over the place, but they are very prevalent in the US. Uh, one just opened in Ohio. And so there's, there's a lot of opportunity with recycling. So the thought that people are gonna abandon it because of what happened with, with, the, with the China ban, I, it makes me sad, um, but on the other hand, my little, uh, my angel <laughs> that's talking to me on the other side is like, this is exciting. This is an exciting time to be in recycling. I had people that were like, oh, you're in recycling. You're going to lose your job. Everybody hates you. Like, no, <laughs> recycling is still good. This is still part of what you should continue to do in your regular life. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's sad because of the fact, and you guys know this as communicators, it takes, you know, it takes 21 days to make a habit and it takes one day to break it. And yep. so one bad news story that is uninformed, not, doesn't have the full story. I'm not going to say that, you know, those that like, you know, uh, blame the news or anything. There, there was some research, but I, I think that there were some gaps in the research and there wasn't the side of, yeah, this employs people, this employs industry, this drives industry. And there's so much that is blossoming because recycling and recovery, I say those two together because it's, it goes broader than just re recovery. And if you, um, I can also show a little bit, if you'd like to, if you'd like to see, right. I can show a little bit of the back end. So I'm not- I uh, love that, yeah. Just, yeah. Well, these are just a couple of examples of, let's make sure I'm sharing. It, it is such a cool opportunity to, to allow, to, to kind of add some transparency into the industry. Cause I definitely think that that would help with any sort of misconception, mis, mis, misunderstandings and um yeah okay yeah so i mentioned now granted i'm going to show you just a couple examples of um some technology that happens behind the scenes in recycling the first one is kind of new so what we're seeing for those who are joining on the podcast this is a, a robotic arm and it's going Whoa. through this thing can pick about 80 picks a minute, which is a lot more than an actual individual can do. Yeah. And it, it's really, uh, this is a short clip, but it's, you can see it's picking up uh, some, some plastic. Cans. Yeah. Or that one is picking up cans. You can program so. an arm to pick up a lot of different things. Some of them can pick up multiple items. I thought I was picking up plastic. How does it sense it? Going. Yeah, it goes, it's 80 picks a minute. So that's, it's involved. <laughs> um, it's so fast. Yeah. yeah, so it can sense using, it's got like a sensor on the actual arm. I don't know all the technology part of it. I'm not the engineer part, but um, Whoa. you can pick, um, they have them for pay, they have them for all different recyclables. And there's places, material recovery facilities that have multiple arms, um, and you know, uh, they're expensive, but they, they save once again on backs too of, you know, this is, as you can imagine, is not the, especially when people are throwing away, uh, yeah. dog poop and yes, they yeah. put dog poop in recycling bins. Um, don't do that. Please don't oh. do that. Please don't put dog poop oh. in the recycling bins. I think people do it when they're on a walk and they just see this a is bin. Yeah. A bin yeah. and they throw it away. 
Um, so there, there are risks. It's a high risk industry to work in. This right here is a ballistic separator. So this pops all the paper up high. And I can already see a couple of things that aren't supposed to be in there. Um, so there's a plastic bag. Grr. No plastic bags in recycling. I see Look, some, plastic. some plastic wrap. Yeah. I saw a chip bag in there too. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have chip bags. You don't want to have like, um, like candy wrappers that shouldn't be in there. So the heavy stuff falls down, the light stuff goes up and uh, look at that, that's, that's a plastic bag filled with something that we don't know what it is. That's the other thing too with plastic bags is that if you bag your recyclable, you put all your plastic, you, and I used to do this, I am I'm saying it on the camera, before I was in recycling, I thought I am helping out the world. I'm going to put all my plastic bottles in a plastic bag and I'm going to wrap it up tight and I'm going to put it in. I had to drop my stuff off the drop-off center. So I'm going to put it in the drop-off center and they're going to be so happy with my, what I did. And what actually probably happened is that tightly closed plastic bag that they couldn't see on the inside may have gotten thrown away mm -hmm. because we don't, at, when you get to the recycling center, if they don't know what's inside that, they can't risk opening it because you could have trash in there. You could have medical waste in there. You could have needles in there. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this is a, it's a dangerous job in the recycling um, sorting industry. We don't want anyone to get hurt. And, um, mm -hmm. and that's also part of the reason why this technology on the, uh, the technology part is actually so involved. So this right here is a, these are star screens and your plastic bags, ropes, See how that, um, the thing I'm pointing to right here, everything, it gets wrapped <gasps> around those. And three, at least three times a day, somebody has to go in there, cut these out. They have to stop what they're doing. They have their hard hat on their big old knife and they're cutting these things out. And it's because it's, because it's plastic, because they thought this little plastic thing or this hose Sometimes I see VHS tapes. Do you guys even remember what those are? They, yeah. I see them in the MRFs and I'm like, who is, who is still watching VHS tapes? But wow. they will be there and those little black cords in the, or the, the tape gets wrapped around, creates such a problem in recycling. Mm. So not so cool. So that just gives a little bit, um, a, a little. This will be so fun. much. I'm going to show you really quick just what oh. I'm first. Uh, so this is sorting it out and then we're going to see these cans they're jumping off the the conveyor belt using Ooh. a reverse magnet or an eddy current cool whoa so um, like, that's so cool that's so cool <laughs> so that gives you a little idea of what it looks like um like i said different different MRFs have different technology and mm -hmm. levels of technology um but overall it's um it's your recycling is getting recyclable, but they're, you know, they're not magicians also at the, at the material recovery facility. So just because you, just because it's plastic or just because you really want it to be recyclable, look on your list, make sure that it's actually on your accepted list, make sure that it's clean and empty and, and really just do your part and encourage others to do their mm -hmm. part. And How clean? How clean is clean? Um, I usually say if you look at it and you would like want to have it in your house for a month, not like it would be there for a month, but if you'd want to have this item in your house for a couple weeks, then, then it's probably clean enough, 
right? So imagine that it's got to go from that truck to the material recovery facility. It's going to be dumped onto this big tipping floor with all these different recyclables and it's going to be sorted, but time's going to pass. And um, I know you don't live in a hot climate, <laughs> Aubrey, but the, <laughs> um, for those of us who live in hot climates, it is, um, it gets stinky real quick. So I think if, okay. use your best judgment, but if you'd want to have it in your house for a couple of weeks, then, then it's pretty safe to put in your bin. Okay. Like don't make, don't let it stink basically. Don't, I mean, look at it. If, if, if it's your version of empty, like turn it, mm -hmm. like if it's a container, turn it upside down. And if nothing falls out, you're, you're probably okay. If it's something like a, like um, you mentioned in the Bay area, coffee cups, that's another point mm -hmm. of confusion. These are, are coming into the, um, these are becoming more accepted by paper mills that are excited to take coffee cups. And, but, you know, sometimes you get a coffee cup and it's got like, you know, I like to get the cinnamon dolce latte with the stuff stuck to it. So that I'd probably give it a quick, just a little quick rinse and then pour it out. And with any recyclables, you know, when you, I like to take my recyclables, say like cans, metal cans, I'll fill up one. And usually if you're doing like a big cooking thing, you've got multiple cans, fill up one, not fill it up, but maybe halfway and then dump it into the other can and then dump it into the other can. So then you're saving mm -hmm. the water. Cause I often hear this that like, well, I don't want to spend the water to, uh, to clean my recyclables. And that's, I think that's a valid concern to a point, but you, I mean, Hopefully you're not going to just, if you're someone who cares about water, you're not going to sit there and like wait till it fills up all the way and then shake it out and then pump and then do it again. You know, like mm -hmm. use your best judgment and honestly, when in doubt, throw it out because I have been guilty of just being like, I don't know about this peanut butter jar. Like, I don't think this is gonna, I mean, you can recycle it. You can put it through the dishwasher if you are so inclined, but I have, I have made that personal decision before to just be like, all right, peanut butter, it's not happening today. Mm -hmm. so, but I, that's the responsible decision. And that's the, at our point, I know that was one of the questions, like, what can we do? Right. We can make these decisions and, and it's not that hard. I mean, it, this, this is empty. Okay, cool. It goes in there. This doesn't have any liquid. The other thing about liquid is not only uh, to protect the paper, those um, optical, the arm you saw, and then there's also optical sorters, which I didn't get to show you, but the optical sorters are looking for the shape and, and also the weight of certain things. And so mm. if you've got a plastic bottle that's half filled with water, the optical sorter is not going to think it's a plastic bottle. It's going to think it's something else and it's going to put it in the wrong container because it's too heavy. Now, maybe it end up in the paper, maybe end up in the metal, you don't know. Um, because now the robot's deciding <laughs> where it goes instead of you just doing the right thing by emptying it out. Mm -hmm. You can always save your water. Like if you've got water, water a plant. Or, you know, there's somewhere else I'm sure you could use that extraneous water to rinse other recyclables. So there's ways you can kind of think outside the box Usually most sustainable things, and I'm sure this will not come as a surprise to either of you, just takes a little bit of forethought, a little bit of extra planning or changing your mindset until it becomes a habit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also one of the things for sustainable brands is that we always remind them that like 
they are asking their customers more than likely to make lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that means extra communication. That means Mm -hmm. explaining what, why, and Mm -hmm. taking an extra minute to say, this is why we do, this is why we make this choice. This is what you do um, to join us in making this more sustainable choice. Mm -hmm. And that's really, and that that's like one of the most important things that a sustainable brand can do Mm -hmm. um, with their product. So it's kind of the same thing with recycling, right? Like hundred percent. And I'm glad you brought up sustainable brands because I think that one of the other things that inspires me about recycling in 2020 or in this 21st century is the fact that, you know, you do now in today, in today's world, you have large brands that are making commitments to sustainability as a company. They're making commitments to recycled content and recycling in general in a way that didn't happen 20 years ago, 10 years ago, sometimes even five years ago. And so I'm super excited at younger people who are getting educated or in the process of getting educated about sustainability and recycling and getting into a decision-making position and realizing that company culture is about more than just selling widgets. It's about being responsible for the waste that you create. It's about setting sustainable goals that go to the operation of every every part of the industry that you have. It's about having diversity, equity, and inclusion as part of your company culture and to really you know, change how we look at doing business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interconnected, all of it. So it is, definitely. Yeah. that's been one of the main takeaways of environmental so far this podcast is that everything is connected and we should honor that and just do what we can to make our choices that is true that is true and every choice that we make there is a you know the the trickle down effects of that happening and and every person that we talk to and that we educate and um encourage you know teach them something new it really just is going to keep that going round and around there's one last thing I want to mention too on the side of business is that, you know, there's a really awesome initiative that's that RRS is part of and um, w- with the um, Michigan, the um, Department of Energy and um, Energy Environment and, um, and Great Lakes. I said mm-hmm. that all backwards, <laughs> but it's called Next Cycle Michigan and it is a um, it's an, a chance for entrepreneurs, teams, think about um, the almost like a shark tank for recycling and sustainability and recovery projects. So cool. different yeah. areas such as composting, recycling, um, intergovernmental, um, if you go to nextcyclemichigan.org, you can learn more about it. And it's, it's really, it's, um, it's launching, it's just launched and uh, will be going fully in 2021. And it's a, a fantastic opportunity for um, you know teams to get together. You get support along the way, so that's where it's, it becomes like a Shark Tank thing, where mm-hmm. your your business plan is evaluated by experts, and and then there's a boot camp, and then there's a final pitch session. We did this in um, in Colorado, and it was really successful. And the pitch session um, was actually all online. The boot camp was in person because it was before. COVID and then the pit final pitch session was online, but it's a really unique opportunity for people who are in the sustainability, um, you know, business 
aspect of that, especially small businesses. Specifically, this one is in Michigan, but as I mentioned, there's Next Cycle Colorado and we're hoping to get more Next Cycle all around. So cool. Really thinking about a circular economy and how, how we can really make a difference within a state, keep the recycle within the state, and then um, bring it back to those end markets within the state mm-hmm. and, um, and empower entrepreneurs to, to pursue their dreams of, uh, of recovery. That is incredible. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's really cool. We're definitely going to put links to that in this um, below. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. We've just learned a lot (laughs) for the (laughs) so for the like one thing that you mentioned which stuck out to me was when your story about when you used to put everything in a plastic bag all tight (laughs) because I definitely (laughs) have done that as well and that was something that I like within the past few years have learned that um that it is more helpful for it to actually not be contained Mm -hmm. leave it loose leave it loose which is like the opposite of what we would want to do with with trash which is exactly yeah you want your trash to be nice and tight in a bag bags are for trash recycling (laughs) it gets to be free it's so interesting yeah just I mean even small things like that which seem which now when you see it in action Mm -hmm. when you see Mm -hmm. what's actually happening behind the scenes it's so clear why that would be recommended mm-hmm. but um but for folks that don't you know have have access to kind of seeing the behind the scenes and and um it's not as evident I suppose so that's really interesting that you know there's there's such incredible opportunities for folks to to learn so much more about what happens behind the scenes with with recycling industry so yeah and it's growing and it's it's becoming you know there's there's new innovations that are happening all the time the thing I mentioned about paper cups, it's like paper cups used to be on the no-no list in a lot of places. And now there's, you know, end markets that are saying, yeah, we can definitely process this. This isn't a problem. And so recycling programs subsequently are saying, oh, okay, well, yeah, put that in there because they, you know, cities that are committed to diverting waste from the landfill, they want to see more stuff go to their recycling program, but if it has that end market and it's accepted. And so I know that creates confusion for people when it comes to uh, trying to figure out what's recyclable, but that's why it's important to check locally. And most cities are, are happy to just, if you, to, if you want to pick up the phone, if you need to go old school and pick up an analog phone and call them, uh, you could do that and they would be willing to do that. Um, to respond if they don't have a website. There's also really cool on the digital side, there's these uh, widgets, these search widgets in a lot of cities where you can just put the item that you want to recycle and it'll say whether it's accepted in that program. Granted, not all cities have that. Um, I know, actually, I think San Francisco has one. I don't know if they have it in the Netherlands, I'm sure. It's, <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a Canadian company, so I wouldn't doubt it if they had it over there too. But, um, you know, it goes to the fact that with technology, with more people understanding the mm-hmm. digital space, 
that's another aspect of you know analytics that you're looking at okay well how many people searched for i'm sure you <laughs> sure gonna dork out with you guys on analytics but i love to see like uh, yeah what's your most common recyclable that your that your program if you have this program what's your most common searched items okay mm -hmm. and what what time of year was that and should we do a campaign around this time of year to be that thing so we're we're having insights on consumer behavior and recycler behavior in a way that we never had before we just made assumptions people sent out postcards or mailers and they put up a poster they put a sign up you know how everyone looks at those mm -hmm. signs. <laughs> it's all you have to do done job done it's a multimodal process with yeah. behavior change and so yes put out the video yes do a social media campaign yes do paid social media yes hire dandelion brand branding to do it and rrs and uh you know i mean there's there's so many analytics that you can get but the cool part is is that you can also use those analytics to be metrics for for success you know if you if you're doing a campaign on maybe you're a community that recently likes like the bay community bay area a couple of years ago when they brought paper cups out mm -hmm. um you could if you had that widget you could say okay we've got x amount of people who are searching it we're going to do this campaign to let people know that it's recyclable mm -hmm. now we can go back look at those analytics our campaign success resulted in x amount of searches for paper cups so we not only assumed they got the message now we can go back and, um, and actually see, yeah, see the data. Love it. Well, wow. Yeah, we could talk about data for a long time. It's a huge part of what we do. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I figured. I figured that was a uh, glass of wine. And <laughs> yes, please. Um. So, uh, I have a question for you about how because you operate in several different parts of the country, right? So, or all over the all over the states. Mm -hmm. And in the last episode, we had talked about like trying to find a directory or a place that like holds information for different places all over the country and we couldn't find one. And I'm wondering if you know of a resource like that, that we can like share with our community or if we, if the suggestion really is call your local government or call your call. Yeah. I would really suggest to check locally. And the reason why is that, you know, even within one county, I'll give, I'll use my county as an example. We have 24 municipalities with less, you know, the entire within my county and, and we're, and we're a peninsula on the peninsula of Florida. And for a long time, and even today, there's a lot of differences between the county. We're talking about a million people here. It's not a lot of people but there are differences within the programs. And so, you know, our county does what they can to try to bring it together. In fact, they have one of those what to recycle widgets um, to, to direct people and they put their zip code in and that works for our county. Not all counties have that, um, but you may within a county have cities that do totally different things because maybe mm -hmm. their hauler doesn't accept things or maybe they don't bring it to the same MRF. So I wish if there was a way for something like that to exist, that would be great. But that would also mean that we are in a, in a state of recycling technology that everyone has this universally accepted list. Mm -hmm. And I kind of don't want that to happen yet because I want recycling to grow and change. And I want to be able to recycle 
more things if we have the capacity to do that. And I'm pretty confident that that we'll will be there someday. So as confusing as it is, you know, if you take Just it check. down. Yeah, I was thinking about the time I was in an Uber <laughs> with someone and he's and and I, I had just done a, a stakeholder engagement meeting about recycling. It was actually in Michigan. And I said, and I was like, oh, so tired. And he said, Well, what'd you do? And I said, I did the stakeholder engagement thing on recycling. And he goes, I don't recycle. And I said, Oh, really? Why not? And we just had a frank conversation about why he didn't recycle. No, no, no. I'm not gonna be that person. <laughs> no, but I and he said, Oh, it's just too too big of a problem. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I said, well, what's one thing that you use pretty regularly that could be recyclable? And he pulls up his, his plastic bottle. And he said, I use these all the time. And I said, well, why don't you just, I know, I know, don't, I know. <laughs> but, but why don't you start with that one? I've just yeah. lost his brain. <laughs> but she, and I said, why don't you start with that one thing? And then if you do that one thing, then eventually you'll figure out that you can recycle your paper. And then you'll figure out that you can recycle your cardboard, flattened, mm -hmm. empty, flattened with no stuff on the inside. And then you'll figure out that you can recycle your soda cans too. And then you'll just, it'll be a habit. And right. so it doesn't have to be overwhelming, but you have to, you should start somewhere. You don't have to start anywhere. But I also don't like that recycling falls under this fringe, nice to have, but not necessary thing. I think right. that mentality is not productive for moving this industry forward and for really right. being responsible for the waste that we create. Right. We've talked about it before where it's like, I'm the annoying girl at Christmas being like, we need to recycle this. Please take, you know, please <laughs> take care of your paper, you know, like wrapping or whatever. And mm -hmm. it's weird to feel like that's frustrating to people when it's mm -hmm. something that I think is so important, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And it's, you know, it's also about accessibility in your, in your recycling space. If you're the annoying girl, are you in a place, are you in a, a holiday celebration where the recycling bin is juxtaposed to the trash can, that it's right next to the trash can? It right. should be. And, and a lot of places it's not. And so it, it becomes a delicate conversation, especially if you're at someone else's house of like, hi, I just curious where your recycling bin is and not like, hey, everybody, where's the recycling bin? I'm the person who recycles it. <laughs> you know, I think there's a way to delicately bring people to the forefront so it doesn't be, it, so it doesn't become an off-putting yeah. uh, habit. Not shaming someone. Yeah, yeah right. but you also normalize it. You know, like mm -hmm. Christmas wrapping paper is a perfect ex example. Like I... At my house, if we use wrapping paper, I will have a separate paper bag for the wrapping paper. And I'll also, you, if I am, I, I used to be completely anti-wrapping paper, but now I have a son, so we wrap some stuff, but you know, do what you can. Um, but also make sustainable decisions. Don't get wrapping paper or cards that have like um, glitter or glue on it. Cause that stuff like glitter never goes away. Can we just, can we just you know, glitter is plastic. <laughs> Cancel yeah. glitter, please. Can cancel glitter. I just I ruined the pride parade, but we need to cancel glitter. Out of control. Yeah. <laughs> but it never goes away. And so it's hard to get out of the paper stream. It's not something like like the little bit of plastic on an envelope. I get this question all the time. That usually is not an issue on the paper thing. You don't have to remove it. You don't really have to worry about it. 
because it's made of, of polyethylene, it'll probably just separate in the pulping process anyway. Mm -hmm. So it won't be that big of a deal. What about tape? Tape is usually not that big of a deal. Same thing that it's just such a small amount. And if you think of, you know, the other interesting visual to see is if to look up the process of recycled paper, you know, it's, or if you've ever done it, it, camp or something you put your paper in a blender you add some water and you you mix it up and if there was anything that was attached to anything else that wasn't pulpable it will it'll separate and that's how when something has a little plastic like paper cup it has a little polyethylene uh coating on that and that just separates in the pulping process similar to the blender Mm. situation Mm -hmm. And then that's the only waste that you have. And, and on the inside, you've got really nice white paper cups because we don't use as much white paper stuff in our digital world. You know, the amount, the supply of paper has gone down, but for those producing paper, they are interested in that really white virgin paper because it's already been through the dyeing process. Mm-hmm. Glass is another good example. You know, recycled glass, if it, you know, glass, when it's made, it goes in these massive furnaces that are, you know, thousands, mm-hmm. so, so hot, and it takes a lot of energy to produce a glass bottle. But when you use collet or recycled glass, all of that initial, um, you know, uh, off, what's the word, off-gassing or whatever that happens, that's not the right word, um, happens, has already happened. So it actually mm-hmm. saves the amount of energy that you have to make that bottle. So it, right. so a lot of your bottles, especially in California, you have a requirement for the amount of recycled content they have to use in glass bottles. So recycling your glass bottles is really important to uh, making new glass bottles and also to support their 25% of the waste stream. So to not include glass would be a huge um, oversight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. How long's your podcast? I could be here all day. <laughs> There's no limit. <laughs> no, this is, it's so cool. I mean, it's so interesting because it recycling as a concept is typically like the first thing that people kind of learn about when we start to learn about our waste and ways that we can think about the planet and things like that. So it's like usually the first step and like someone kind of being more interested in sustainability, but there's still so much that we don't know. And even, you know, even, even Ab and I, who, you know, we've been dedicated to this for a while and, and it's something that, that we feel connected to as individuals, there's still so much that we don't know. And it's, it's so cool. There's lots to learn. And I think there's, you know, in the sustainability space there, it'll, it'll continue to grow too. So I don't think that we'll ever stop learning. And, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for a long time, recycling was kind of stagnant in how its process was until we had single stream. And for for all of its its warts and and things like that, I think it's really had a a profound impact on our industry, both, um, both on the collection side and the processing side. And I think ultimately, we will... um, I think we'll, we'll come out of this, this, this downed recycle time, uh, with greater insight and more, um, more domestic control, I think over, I don't want to say control because it's not like policy oriented, but more domestic options. Yeah. 
I think that's great. And I like how you said recycling is the first thing. It's like the gateway drug for sustainability. It is. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it's, 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 it is, you, I do, um, I'll, I'll, I, I will, um, I'll be the devil's advocate in the way that I, I am also at parties. I try not to be that person, but it is one of those things where this mentality switch of like, of course you've got a recycling bin of that's like basic. That's what you have. Mm -hmm. Like, let's move on to the next thing. What, where's your compost bin? Like, where can I mm -hmm. compost this? Or did you just, give me that in a um, plastic bag rather than in a reusable bag or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think yeah. we're, I think we're growing. And I also, I, I think back to when I was in college and I would go to the, it was before this shows, this shows my age, right? It was before everyone was bringing reusable bags and I would go to the grocery store and I would have to make, I, you know how today you can just like put your stuff directly in the bag and it, nobody thinks you're shoplifting. Back then, people were like, uh, hello, you have to pay for that. <laughs> but now it's like everyone uses reusable bag. And I just, I'm very inspired by that, by these types mm -hmm. of reuse behaviors that have effectively permeated in not a very long time mm -hmm. into our norms. It gives me such inspiration for a lot of other sustainable things that seem like oh you have worms in your house and you're using that for your coffee ground not weird at all like that would eventually we'll just have that right everyone will be doing vermiculture and and it won't just be this very small 20 percent i would love that that would yeah, be great I'm trying to come up on that <laughs> It's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's about people who are, you know, come up with innovative solutions, like somebody, you know, making a little tabletop compost machine, stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. to make it more accessible and to make this transitions from not doing something to doing it, not too much mm -hmm. of a shift because we are still working with people. We are some, some folks are harder to get to move than others, but, um, but by making solutions that kind of help ease that transition, I think that there's definitely opportunities for it to become more and more popular in, in society as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's changing our, our changing the conversation a little bit about not recycling as it's the right thing to do. It's an economic driver. It's right. our responsibility. Right. It is part of our circular system. And we're it's just part of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's another wow. concept shift. We're just like <laughs> changing, changing everybody's lives over here. One podcast at a time. It's <laughs> amazing. That's the goal. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, wow. I mean, where can folks, aside from you, you mentioned nextcyclemichigan.org or the next cycle kind of um, initiative, which is in several states. Where else can folks kind of go to maybe learn about you or learn about um, more about the industry, I suppose? Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can find me at recycle.com and learn about what our RRS or resource recycling system does. If you're in the industry or if you need recycling communications, um, a strategic communications assistance, you can go there and you'll also see some of our clients there uh, that are change makers themselves. 
in focusing on recycling and sustainability and trying to get get to a point where this is the norm, right? That we're <laughs> moving things along. But yeah, you can definitely, if anybody has any questions, reach out and uh, hopefully we'll be working together again soon. Beautiful. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Our pleasure. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Marissa. That was, yeah, this was great. We got all the questions answered. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're going to, we have, a, we're going to have a lot to talk about in our next, in our next podcast where we kind of like go over everything we've learned. So this, yeah, <laughs> you've given us so much to think about and um, just so much inspiration for, you know, to, to, to help with what we see locally because yeah, there's still so much to be done, but um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really inspiring to see all of, all of the innovation that's happening as well. Yeah. yeah, glad Thank to come so back much. on anytime and help out if you've got other questions or you made the mind blow <laughs> <laughs> gesture. So it sounds like you, you may have some follow-up questions. So happy to happy to help. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And um, we will talk to you next time. Bye. -bye.